0: Hey, everybody, and welcome into the New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast. I am Eric Wilbur, New England Ski Journal editor, and I am joined by my co-host, Mike Spieschen. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Eric. Totally stoked on this ski season. Yes, hopefully it'll be a good one. The The basis of today's show is one of my favorite mountains, and I know I say that every time we bring a mountain on, but in the case of Sugarbush, it really is. It, it's, it's one of those places that is really close to my heart in terms of both memories I've had there and just the entire skiing experience that is there and just the whole vibe of Sugarbush is just one of the best places in all of North America.
1: Some of my best days in the East have been at Sugarbush. I've got tons of friends up there that have moved up there, that work up there, that live up there. But the best part about Sugarbush is that they've got the terrain and the snow that we don't always get in New England.
0: Right. They do. And, And I mean, the 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 mountain there is I, I've been a, a, a sugar bush skier since nineteen ninety-two, so we're talking thirty years of experience. And I've seen it through American Skiing Company and Wynn Smith and now Altera. So lots of changes over the past twenty years. But the mountain itself, as far as look, you wanna go across town or across the, the region there, you go to Stowe and you can pinpoint how that place has changed since changing Hale since since Vale purchased it a few years ago you can't necessarily do that so much at Sugarbush because it kind of has stayed a constant, right?
1: It is completely a constant. Through the different ownerships, there have been improvements made through most of them. But Sugarbush has never been homogenized. It is its own realm. The skiing on Mount Ellen, upper FIS, my goodness, Mm -hmm. uh, so steep, so exposed, and big bumps. But the skiing is to die for. And then you look over at Lincoln Peak, with Castle Rock and Paradise off of Heaven's Gate Chair, that's, that stuff hasn't changed. It is by far some of the best skiing east of the Mississippi.
0: I know I, I profess my love for spring skiing a lot on this show because it's, I think it's just when, look, you wait till the goods come to you. And in the spring, it, 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 it isn't better for me. I say this without any hyperbole. Sugarbush is my favorite mountain for spring skiing just because, like you said, they get the, the natural snow. It retains there for a quite... I mean, I've been up visiting my friends in the valley there and look up in, in late May and there's still snow up, up on the top and you're like, well, why are we not skiing it, it? It truly is. Spring Day on Paradise or Organ Grinder is just... There's very few things that are better than that in all of New England skiing. The ski industry used to have a real
1: fun industry day it used to be the Marker Markerpalooza parties up on Mount Ellen. And those days in springtime where all the shops across New England would come up and join the folks, it was incredible. But I'm going to give you even a better, you talked about May. When Ski Market originally, when the SCX came out, Ski Market was going to carry them. And we did a demo day on Stein's on May 7th with these little short 163 carving skis, 153s. On May 7th, I drove up to Sugarbush to test new skis. Unbelievable. And they were good, I assume. It was (laughs) so much fun. I've never skied
0: bumps with such side cut in my life, but I'll tell you, it was a lot of fun. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. A couple of fun facts about Sugarbush. They opened on Christmas Day in 1958 with the greatest vertical rise in the East. John Egan, obviously a Sugarbush legend there, member of the 2016 Ski and Snowboard Hall of Fame. He's been in 17 Warren Miller films. In 1993, Warren Miller filmed at, at Sugarbush, the first gondola in the United States, the Wunderbar, Wunderbar, the first bar to open at a ski resort in America, and close to my heart, in 1994... Fish played one of their legendary concerts at the base of the mountain of Mount Ellen. Those,
1: those are memories to die for. Sugar, <laughs> sugar Bush has such a history. It, we, we look at Stowe and say, that's the Foo area. Mm-hmm. Sugar Bush at one point was the Fufu area. You got it. New York money was up there. Yep. And there was a time when sugar Bush was the glamor Stein Erickson, when he was there, mm-hmm. It was a glamour area of New England at one point. It's amazing how, how they have gotten rid of that mantra, and now it is a true skier's mountain. Right. Uh, it's not that it doesn't have some great areas like Cheyenne Reese with history and great food and everything else, but it's there to be skied, and it hasn't been changed to accommodate just
0: groom, groomed runs. It's true. You look in that region, it's Sugarbush, Mad River Glen, and Stowe, and Mad River Glen was always like the red-headed stepchild, right? The The place that was always different. They were for skiers. They weren't about the, the glitz and the glamor, and New Yorkers could go to Sugarbush or Stowe and we'll be happy here. Well, Sugarbush, over the years, like you just mentioned, has become a lot less Mascara Mountain and a lot more of that Mad River Glen persona, where it is a skier's mountain. And when I started skiing there in 1992, it was probably on the downturn of Mascara at that point, right? It wasn't like New York High Society was coming to this place. The base area needed a lot of work. The Wunderbar at that point was like the only place to go. And you can only imagine how crowded it was after after skiing those days. But I remember a, a few years ago, I was up there talking to to, to to John Egan in the Castle Rock pub. And he had just gotten done. Do It was freezing that day, just ice cold. And he had just gotten finished doing a lesson for a child that helicopters in all the time (laughs) to get it. And so a few years ago, there was still a little bit of that sense of Mascara Mountain, but nothing compared to what other places in the region have become. I think when you define Sugarbush, it's tough to envision it as that sort of glitzy, glamour place because even with all the renovations it's done over the past 10, 15 years, even with Altera purchasing it a couple years ago, It is still very much a skier's mountain, and I think that Mad River Glen has its niche, but Sugarbush is not far behind. No, it isn't. I sort of look at Sugarbush very similar to a
1: Taos, New Mexico, where, guess what? Skiing is not cheap. Houses, condos have never been inexpensive at ski areas. Taos and Sugarbush have kept the realness of the skiing that they've always had, and Sugarbush is a total
0: gem when it comes to not falling into the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I think Win Smith was Win for for Win is like it was treated like a hero up there for a lot of the time. Right, the way that he stepped in and, and he's his omnipresence on the mountain was a, was a big calling card of his and a reason why people gravitated toward him because. He was just so open and honest and willing to talk to people, whether it be online or in person, about changes at Sugarbush. And so I think when Altera when Al- when purchased it, there was still a little bit of hesitancy about going corporate, especially when Wynn was such a good person to, to be leading the charge. But now what are we Two years into Altera? Yeah, about two years. And uh, so far, so good. There have been very few wrinkles that have been controversies. I think John John Egan's dismissal was one of them. But beyond that, I think that Sugarbush is kind of staying the course with its identity. Yeah, Wynn was a
1: personality. I always love when I see owners, general managers out in the marketplace, on the hill, getting to know their client base. Right. Wynn actually did that. You would see him every day. He would be on the lift every day. With Altera coming in, I think it was a, it was, how do you compete as an independent in this day of mega passes? And Wynn saw that he wanted it to go to somebody that would keep it authentic, but have
0: the funds to take it to the next level. And that's what Altera is going to do for it. I'm going to cross sports here just quickly because the example you just, Made is fantastic that having an owner there and at the mountain and talking to the ski area's customers is such a different thing than we've experienced recently, right? We go to football. John Robinson, general manager of the Tennessee Titans, the first place Tennessee Titans, probably playoff bound, was fired earlier this week. He's created a, a pretty good team there in Tennessee and they're headed to the playoffs again, but he was fired. I think the A.J. Brown situation, blah, blah, blah. There are many reasons why maybe he was fired. But I heard someone compare this situation to the Patriots this week in that when you go to Foxborough, Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft are always there, right? They're always there. And in a lot of these other teams where the owner may be an absentee, it's a lot more difficult to sort of get a vibe for what's going on in the building, on the field, in the community. And I think that's a big part of dealing with these mountains and these resorts, especially as we deal with them, you know, trying to create content editorially is that the ones that are always open and, and, and want to spread the message of their resort are the ones that are there every day, the ones that are that are putting in the time and effort to get to know the people who they're trying to make this mountain the best for. Yeah, you cannot sit in an office
1: to know what's actually happening and what the response is from the consumer. You need to be out there. Across New England, I could name so many general managers or owners who are out there day in and day out talking to their consumers. I'm going to use one as an example: the Crawleys at Wachusett, mm-hmm. They are they run their business and actually are involved in the business, not out of an office. Yep. So that's what has Just happened at Magic, exactly. So that's what's happened up at Sugarbush, and that's what has parlayed Sugarbush into the ski area it is today. And the growth that'll have them moving forward and why people are so loyal
0: to it. Yeah. I mean, there's many reasons to be loyal to it. I just love it there. And coming up, we've got two of my favorite guys in the industry, J.J. Toland, who's the vice president of sales and marketing, and John Blay, director of communications. Should be a good conversation with those two guys. We'll bring you that in just a few moments
2: get ready to winter like you mean it make tracks to Stratton for a big mountain experience with corduroy cruisers tree trails, new terrain parks, miles of glades all with snow so great it's guaranteed, book your lodging at the heart of the resort and discover everything you love about winter is right outside your door, like snow tubing snowmobile tours, snowshoe tracks, cross country skiing, then there's Stratton Village for shopping dining, apres and late nights
0: stratton.com to save on lift tickets and lodging packages great glen trails outdoor center is your one-stop adventure destination this winter no lift lines just great grooming and magical vistas classic snow tubing hill with hot cocoa and s'mores on the weekends Try a guided snow coach tour. Grab your reservation to Treeline on Mount Washington. Private and group lessons for skiers of all ages and all abilities. Evening snowshoe tours and so much more. Check the website for booking options and details as well. GreatGlenTrails.com. Joining us on the program is J.J. Tolan, Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Sugarbush Mountain Resort, along with John Blay. Director of Communications at the Bush. Gentlemen, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks for having us.
1: Thank you, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Sugarbush, one of our favorites. Eric actually went to UVM, so he has spent some St. time St. Mike's, there? St. Mike's, I'm, Mike. I'm sorry, oh, St. On. Mike's. Oh, no. really screwed
0: that I, one up. I was a UVM guy, so we're already, it's going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a huge rivalry between St. Mike's and UVM. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's the bars, I, I don't, there's nothing else. You you gotta love
1: it. You know what? We start this off with a little screw up. Sorry about that, gentlemen. So JJ, give us a little history of Sugar Bush.
3: Oh, what, from like 1958 till supplements? Yes. yes. Oh yes. You can you can paraphrase it. Let's see if we got Damon Saragad, discover the bush from nineteen fifty eight, hire Jack Murphy soon to be of Mad River fame. And then we yeah.
2: He came, he came from Mad River. So it's interesting because we, so if you look at like Vermont and kind of the area we are, it was Stowe in 48, I think.
3: And, oh, yeah, right in there.
2: Or, and then Mad River was, people left Stowe to go to Mad River in 1953. And then people, well, Damon and Sarah Gad, who came from New York City, founded Sugarbush, but they grabbed Jack Murphy, who was then a Mad River Glen and stole them away. So it's just been a, it's just been a sharing system, which I guess is the whole idea of the industry
1: anyway, is that it's, it's, pretty it's, it's
3: very incestuous.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah. I think we all go around one, one way or another,
3: but we, we've gone
2: through a number of owners and after Damon and Sarah Gad, which was really kind of peak mascara mountain days, if you've ever heard refer- oh, yeah, that sort of the, the New York high society, we went through some other periods of ownership, brief and we eventually were American Skiing Company in starting in the, the 90s with Les Otten and, and then eventually I think as we all know the story of American Skiing Company, Sugarbush was sort of on a downward spiral before it was purchased by Wynn Smith and some adventures in 2001. And it's interesting because they were Sugarbush, Wynn and, and his partners closed on Sugarbush, September 10th, 2001. So the next day. Obviously nine eleven happened and it was like, oh no, this, this is a, this is a bad omen. This is obviously, I mean, obviously that's not the first thing you're thinking about when you think of what happened then, but it was like, wow, this is going to be an uphill climb to run the ski industry, get this operation going. So they eventually win, had to end up moving up here and kind of took over day-to-day operations in 04 and ran it until we sold to Altera. A couple months before COVID in January 2020.
1: Wynn was a, or is, a, an incredible personality of Sugar Bush. I mean, seeing him on the hill, seeing him be part of the community. How has Altera changed the mix?
3: I, I mean, from someone who started here in 2003, left in 10, and came back only in June, to so rejoining during the new ownership. Not a lot. I mean, they're, they're a great company to work, to be a part of, and they're pretty laissez-faire. When I say pretty, they're very laissez-faire in terms of allowing their individual brands to remain individual and retain their, their character, the texture and timbre of how the mountains choose to run themselves. So it's, it's actually really nice to come back. I you know the difference for me is just seeing the, the product's the same. It's still Sugarbush. One of the biggest appeals was... When I left, the ski patrol director and I were good buddies and I'm back and now he's the president. So like it's a lot of the same people and the change has just been without Tara is data and capital. So you have substantial tools from a marketing perspective. So it's really the behind the scenes stuff that's become better. And then our day-to-day stuff in terms of how we function as a team is, is exactly the same. It's... We do what we want to
0: do. J.J., you just said it, that you were at Sugarbush for a few, how many years? Oh, 03 to 11? Is
3: that what you said? Like three to 10. Three to 10. Years.
0: Okay, so you were at Jay Peak for another dozen years before coming back. You know What drew you back to your old-
3: Pretty much what I just kind of touched on. I, I bumped into John Hammond, who is the, the president right now, at an industry event. And we're just kind of shooting the shit about Sugarbush and what's changed, what's stayed the same. And it was just a fantastic opportunity to, to come back to one that I never, ever anticipated. Being like being a J for 12 years and going through what we went through as a team up there, I, I honestly thought I would never leave because it's a fantastic group of people. This was just one of those opportunities that came out of left field and probably only comes around once in a lifetime. So it was something to jump on board and a known blade for, hell Yeah, since 2011, (laughs) 2012, yeah. I've known Hammond since 2003, and a lot of the ski school people are the same. A lot of the guy running patrol now was a patroller when I left, so it's a lot of the same friends. So it's just a great opportunity, great place to be back.
1: Welcome home.
3: Yeah, what's old is new. Tell
2: tell him the story about the couch.
3: Oh, (laughs) I thought that was a joke. Um, (laughs) the couch that I'd put in our office in 2005 was waiting for me in my office currently (laughs) to the point where the dog I got as a puppy when I left here and I still have him, we walked in my office. He was like, really?
1: (laughs) Those are stories to remember for all times. So, so what makes, what makes Sugarbush unique in, in a state with such history of skiing? I
2: think, I think, the first thing people tend to sugar, tend to think about when they think of Sugarbush is probably the terrain, right? When you start to, there's a lot of different terrain in Vermont, but when you kind of get north of, say, Route 4, I feel like the terrain really starts to transform into steeps and some of the kind of top-tier terrain that you're getting in the Northeast. And, I mean, just look at Castle Rock in particular at Sugarbush. There's a trail system that's completely dedicated to being sort of that old-school, New England-type feel, right? Where it's steeps, it's narrows. It's there's rocks, there's stumps. We don't groom it. We don't make snow on it. And, and it's some of the coolest terrain in the Northeast. And, and there's pockets of that all over the mountain, but I, I think when people think of sugar bush, that's sort of the first thing that draws them here. And then the thing that usually ends up keeping them here is kind of the vibe, right? We're sort of this, we have a laid back kind of attitude We're we're trying to just sort of be Vermont without using the words authentic, which I think we've all overused at this point in time, but I always like to say that someone who wants to come to Sugarbush, you have to pass a ski resort from any direction to get here, right? So you're filtering out the low-hanging fruit of people who are like, I just want to go ski, I don't care where, right? They're stopping at the resorts further south or they're stopping at the resorts more north if they're coming from any major metropolitan area. So the people that you get here are the people who really want to be here. And it creates this cool kind of community of people who are really skiers because this is really a skier's mountain. Um, That want to be here and and all sort of share the same loves for the sport.
3: Yeah, that's about vibe. it's just kind of an outlier place. It's similar to JP in that you have to work to get here. And when you get here, you're here for the you're here for the terrain. You're not howling at the moon most nights till two or three in the morning. You're because you're. Your ass is kicked and you're in bed for the next day. During the fall,
0: a lot of ski areas will release press releases touting that they put a million dollars in improvements here, $2 million in a new chairlift. Sugarbush has topped that $10 million in investments this, this past summer. Wow. Where's $10 million going to at the mountain? Oh, well,
2: yeah, You know, it's funny because I think if you look at kind of the breakdown of where we've spent the $10 million, the majority, the vast majority of which is on mountain, mm-hmm. there is not one particular sexy project or eye-popping project that kind of enca- encapsulate that 10 million, but the vast majority of it's gone to snowmaking. So we overhauled three big pods of terrain with snowmaking, beginner terrain over at Lincoln with pushover and easy Rider, kind of our intro trails, which are trails that we have open right now, thanks in part to that snowmaking, because you know how the weather's been up to this point in the year. Basically the upper third, upper, almost upper half of Mount Ellen what received all new snowmaking pike. All new snowmaking infrastructure, which will also allow us to continue to build new snowmaking infrastructure up there in the years to come. So this is really kind of like a building block investment that we made at the upper half of them. And then the other project, which is partially done and be finished this spring, summer is putting snowmaking on and realigning the trail reverse traverse, which for those who don't know, is basically the trail from the top of Valley House over here at Lincoln Peak. That essentially runs all the way down to the base of Heaven's Gate. And it's a trail that as it stands right now is uphill for part of it. And it's not a very enjoyable experience. And we basically only use it as an emergency. This lift is shut down. Here's the only way you can get from point A to point B. But the plan is to, we're using some of this money, but we've already started the project, essentially shift that trail to the right, make it all downhill and then put snowmaking on it so that we'd be able to open that a lot sooner in, in the year. But aside from snow, oh, and the other snowmaking project we did was we basically put in a whole new snowmaking weir down in our snowmaking pond for Lincoln Peak. So, we're that's a fancy term for dam, right? So, our ability to intake water into our snowmaking pond that was a multi million dollar project that saw us dredge the pond, install a new dam, take out the old one. And that really lets us just improve our snowmaking capabilities and make it more reliable with the ability to inflate and deflate a dam because the majority of our water comes from the mad right in the base of the valley here. So we have to intake water from that roof. But aside from that, new groomers, new cabin cat. So we do cabin cat adventures here and, and we have a brand new eight person glass cabin cat Sorry, that, that just rolled in a couple days ago and the marketing team is anxiously awaiting an opportunity to take some photos of it. So that type of stuff. And then a lot of smaller projects around the mountain and F&B and lodges, things like that.
3: And for the skier rider experience.
1: That's impressive. You mentioned Lincoln Peak. You guys are skiing off of two peaks, right?
3: Pretty yeah. much? Lincoln Peak and
1: Mount Ellen. So how do you, you know, they're separated. What's the interconnected vi- connectivity of those two areas?
3: It's a three-mile drive. We're about a seven-minute chair ride on the Slidebrook Express, which is a two-mile long
2: Two Wow, still, still from, from, from what we understand, the longest detachable quad in the world that connects those two lifts. So yeah, there's multiple ways to get there either. We do, we run shuttles between the mountains, but we also run the lift, And of course you can drive from one to the other, but the cool way to, when you start to tire of one mountain, you can head over to the other side and it's a, it's a whole nother day or two worth of terrain.
0: Can you guys break down the mountain for us uh, for each skier type and also how many intermediates do you have to rescue each year on Steins? We groom Steins less than we used to, probably to that point,
3: <laughs> so
2: <laughs> it's much more obvious than it. Maybe you shouldn't ski here because of all the models. Yeah.
3: i Mellon has more of a, a local vibe. It's a little bit more barely, kind of has a, more of a gnawing personality versus Lincoln Peak has seen the majority of the base area infrastructure investment. So you come to Lincoln Peak, you have Rumbles, you have the Castle Rock, you have more of the pubs and the restaurants that are only a, a decade or so old and Mellon, Mount Ellen is sixty years old next and a lot of it's the same wood, <laughs> same wise. Yeah, but
2: we did renovate it. But yeah, yeah, you're right. The vibes are totally different, which, which is what makes it so cool. But, but terrain wise, like I said, it's like the our high end terrain is a good chunk. We we only make snow on seventy percent of our terrain, and that's on purpose because we have a clientele that loves to ski moguls that loves to ski natural snow that enjoys the the nitty gritty kind of old school New England skiing, and so we we purposefully make snow on those trails or or groom those trails very often and that's a good chunk of terrain and then i think the nice thing about sugar bush is that every every peak that we have has an intermediate route down you can get to the summit of lincoln peak and ski jester all the way down to the bottom as an intermediate and still take in that view and get that full you go to the top of mount ellen and do the same thing so there's opportunity for all skier levels to kind of experience all the different pods of the mountain outside of Castle Rock. And then beginners, we have beginner terrain at both mountains, though. I would say the gatehouse pod on this side of the mountain, Lincoln Peak is, is really kind of the number one place for beginners to sort of learn, but you know, it's a, it's a great mountain to learn because the terrain is tough and, and it teaches you to become a good skier really fast. That's why all the good racers and a lot of the
1: good freestyle skiers all start out in the East Coast. <laughs> We've been talking about that a lot about. Well, all the good skiers come out of the East for a reason. Yep, there's adversity there. Paradise and stuff up top off of Heaven's Gate is great skiing. But I think, I think the proving ground in one of the proving grounds in New England, every, bump skiers go to Outer Limits and White Heat as their proving ground. But I'll say the true proving ground is sitting up on Castle Rock.
3: Yeah, I mean I think that's fair. We try to let, you know, the mountains be themselves express themselves in terms of like limiting grooming or whatever. And Castle Rock is definitely you could say the, the class clown of the uh, expression. Because we don't touch it, it's steep and it's gnarly, and we're loath to do anything to it because every year's different. It's shaped by the wind and the snow that hit it and then the skiers and riders that choose to progress and define <laughs> their own style if they make it to the bottom.
2: We have a sign at the bottom of Castle Rock, which I'm sure you've seen if you have skied it, that basically ad-lib essentially says like, warning, these trails contain rocks and stumps and trees and bumps and, and, and all this sort of stuff to really warn people. And I think the last word sentence it says is, did we mention yeah. that there's rocks? Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's really, it, it's an experience. And, and if you've been on the, the castle rock chair before, which purposefully has been kept as a double chair to limit the uh, limits, the uphill capacity, which subsequently limits the downhill capacity. So regardless of how long the line, it's like the single chair at Mad River Glen, regardless of how long the line is at the bottom, because there's such little uphill capacity, by the time you get to the top and your skin, you almost feel like you're out in the wilderness by yourself because there isn't a six pack dropping off hundreds of people every minute. So it, it, it adds to this cool aesthetic of sort of being out in the in this sort of natural environment.
0: Jumping off on that point about the East raising the best uh, skiers, Green Mountain Valley School is is right there. And can you tell us the importance of that place and what it means to the mountains?
3: I think they're a big part of trigger Bush's history. I mean, you see some of the best skiers coming out of that academy specifically because of the terrain they've cho- chosen to be a part of. It's Alan James Hobart yep. you, you who founded it.
2: We're going into our Wall of Fame um, in, in two days.
3: You know, it, they founded it here for a reason because of, because of the hill they put it on, you, you're going to come out of that place a very accomplished athlete.
2: Yeah. And I think what's cool about the way it's laid out, because their they're <laughs> race facilities are over in Mount Ellen, is it's cool because they really have their own sort of pod of terrain, right? So it's you're not not that they're getting in the way of other people or vice versa, but they sort of have their own separate training area on a couple trails with a des- dedicated chairlift. Same with like our terrain park scene that's over there. They really have a dedicated trail with their own lift that is all sort of closed, closed loop on itself. So it, it's nice because it can create these really cool sort of communities within themselves without the chaos of 200 racers ripping down the middle of the mountain to get to the start of the race right there or, or park guys or whatever it is. And I, I think that's really neat. And it's one of the things that's cool about Mount Ellen is again, it has this sort of local feel in particular, we're using a local ski academy, racing right out of there with their own lodge and
3: everything. I mean, if you look, I mean. One of the cornerstones of this, of our sport, skiing and riding is camaraderie, the camaraderie of the cold, and those who choose to go out in it. And then you get into the, like, the various kind of subcultures within that of people who choose to be a Lincoln Peak or a Mount Owen or a Mad River skier or a J skier. And then you take it to another level, another substrata. You get into these elite racing communities and you really, or academies, and you really find an, an incredible sense of community and and bonds, and it's just made even stronger in a place like Mount Allen and GMBS.
1: I've always wondered how tough it would be being at one of these race academies in a place like Sugarbush that actually gets snow and gets a lot of it at times because, boy, do I wanna run gates or do I wanna go ski in the trees? It would be tough.
2: You will often find the skiers and and the racers in their green jackets, bombing around the mountain, Doing a little free skin, especially on a powder day. Yeah. That is not, that is not uncommon. I think they consider that cross training. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) love it. Well, side, side country has become huge everywhere, but New England has really ballooned. You guys have Slidebrook. I, I love it in there. What's the experience like in there? (laughs) I wonder (laughs) why. (laughs) We're going to go, we're going this year. Don't
2: worry. I, so I think what's interesting about Slidebrook is that it is, you look at it on a map, right? Or you look at the ridge line from a photo and you're like, oh my God, there's a ton of terrain in there. That looks really intimidating. And, and you start thinking backcountry, like, oh man, that's, I don't know if I'm ready for that sort of thing. I think the cool thing about Slidebrook is that, like Sherterbush, like Lincoln Peak and Mount Ellen, there's so many different ways to experience it. And there's some pretty approachable tree skiing in Slidebrook. And I think the, the majority of people go in from the top of North Links, Right, and that's the other beauty of Slidebrook is it's essentially lift served, right? So it's it's lift served, and then when you get all the way to the bottom, it's shuttle served back to the mountain. So you're really dealing with lift served shuttle service backcountry, which is unheard of. You don't have to park your car or hike out or any of these other things. And that's what makes it so cool. But when you go in from the top of North Links, there's you you kind of ski along a traverse, and you come under the Slidebrook Express Quad, and then you're really into these this kind of open set of trees and. We call them the doors. There's door one and door two, door three. And you could ski the work road all the way down to the base, which is fun in and of itself. Or you can ski into the trees, which are pretty wide open. If you're looking to kind of step it up to the next level, you can go in from Mount Ellen, from the summit of Mount Ellen, which is obviously a little tighter at the top. But then there's some really great tree skiing that takes you all the way to the base, basically. So it's cool because there's lots of different ways to do it. And a lot of people go in there. So we always recommend... Going with someone, or or signing up a guide at the ski school—those are all options. But it's
0: it's fun and it's approachable. It's not not overly intimidating. My kids have yet to ski Sugarbush, which is something we've got to change in the near future. But what is there for families up there besides skiing? Obviously,
3: let me rephrase not, that. Man. Man. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so snowshoeing, um, <laughs> there's the uh, Shivers, Hulk, and Recreation Center. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, I mean, I, I think. A couple of things, especially as we're continuing to kind of come out of COVID, right? It is event programming and just pr- programming in general. So obviously we have ski school. We do snowshoeing. We rent snowshoes. We, we are hosting events all the time for both kids and adults around the mountain, whether it's anything from a pizza and movie night to late night music to craft fairs, all sorts of stuff. So especially depending on when you're coming, particularly on the weekends or the holidays, there's a lot of programming to to go on and then we always recommend I think Sugarbush isn't what it is without the community right in the Mad River Valley and so we always encourage people to after they've spent some time in Sugarbush to go into the into the valley and experience the restaurants the shopping and the covered bridges the skating rink cross-country skiing operations all those sort of things because we want that community to continue to thrive alongside
1: us into that community I mean Chey Henry there's there's not a restaurant like it anywhere in New England. So enjoy dinner and a bottle of wine there. Where else in that valley would you suggest people look for maybe a drink for opera Ski or for dinner?
3: The, the no-name pub. Oh, the no-name pub. The name TBD pub. It's <laughs> a little speakeasy that's emerging just off the hill. But Lawson's Flames Lawson's Liquid opened a, a tap room yeah. five or six years ago. Yeah, and It's just a fantastic beer, grape food, Bluestone Pizzas, um, nominal pizza. Yeah, it's uh, gorgeous. I
2: mean, the Mad Taco is Mad a Taco. super popular local spot right in town there. And then it kind of depends on what you're looking for. High end, there's the Pitcher Inn and in Tracks. It's a Roland Chateau. I mean, it's got some really high class dining, right? Right in, in Warren Village, which is right on Bridge Street. And then it goes all the way to sort of the Mad Taco for casual food.
3: For- right awesome.
2: Hideaway, which is a at
3: sure, the place with the seven foot ceilings and I've I've had
1: a few drinks there.
3: A yeah,
1: few. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You can feel the spirit of nineteen sixty five skiers. still in there.
1: <laughs>
3: I love it.
2: I would say the other really cool place is the Mad River Barn, which is on on the way up to Mad River Glen, but the, the new owners there kinda took it over several years ago, fully renovated it. And it's this gorgeous space with a downstairs dining room, this big upstairs pub and it's a really cool place and great for kids because they have a bunch of games, a shuffle puck and all that sort of stuff. So, and American flatbread, I guess we can never forget, which is always super busy, but is warranted because it's incredible pizza and it's the original American flatbread, you know, so there's, there's ones in other towns, but this is where it all started.
0: Yeah, I've only had the Burlington one. I've never been to the original, but yeah, if, if you've never had American flatbread, just fantastic pizza. Can you talk about the vibe, apre at Castle Rock Pub? We'll it's, run right down right now. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll meet you down. Like it
2: on a weekend, on a holiday, Castle Rock Pub is is packed. I mean, if you're looking for kind of a party scene, it's it's body to body.
3: Yeah, it's a good ski town bar debauchery fun.
2: Yeah, and then right across the way is Rumbles, which big vaulted ceiling. It's shaped like a 18th century round bar. And so gorgeous space. If you're looking for a little more ambiance, I guess, outside of debauchery, that's a good spot to go. And then we have the wonder bar, which is up in the Valley house lodge, which is our original base lodge. And the wonder bar, the, sorry, the Wunda is, is actually the original ski bar here and was one of the first in the country, if not the first. And as a fun side note story, when they were coming up with the name for the, for the wonder bar. At the time, you were not allowed to use the word bar when you were naming a bar or restaurant. Bar couldn't be in the name. And so Damon and Sarah Gad were like, well, it's not bar, it's it's Wunderbar. It means means wonderful in German. And they had a big fight with the DLC and the the state and eventually they won. And as long as they have those outs or whatever it is, they're good. So that's a cool space too. And that actually just got pretty renovated fall. So there's now an upstairs and downstairs to that whole operation too, but
3: But if you want to get a sense of what Sugarbush is, but more importantly, what it was in terms of an racing, that's where you want to go.
1: Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I've got one last question for both of you. Two feet of new. Give me the run you're going for first run.
3: I'm going (laughs) Middle Earth.
1: There you go.
2: Oh, nice. Middle Earth. So I'll I'll, I'll pivot away from the obvious, even though I love Middle Earth and I would say a morning star off of North Links, and only because North Links just doesn't get a ton of traffic. Sure, if you, if you can hit Morning Star right under the lift, first thing, it's great. The bumps aren't too big, so that's awesome. That's a good. That's a great question. I love that you, area.
3: If it's a rare day where the snow is falling straight down and there's not a, a breath of a breeze, probably go for FYS.
2: Yeah, on Mount Ellen. Yeah, awesome.
3: all on Mount Ellen, yeah. big wide open trail. You get to shake hands with God and, and make a couple turns.
2: I'll, well, t- I'll tell you what, I, I know we could just talk about patter days all day. The coolest thing to close on Castle Rock is when we typically open Castle Rock terrain to start the year, we open it for hiking access only. So you, you access it from paradise. You basically go across the long trail and then you ski it and we essentially let the terrain get skied in for several days, a week, whatever. And then we'll open the lift up because if you open the lift right away, everything will just get scraped to yeah. scraped to shit. So that is some of the coolest time to get to Castle Rock before it's bumped up, before there's moguls, when it's just it's hiking access, it just opened and it's all just straight flat pound.
3: Tablurasa. Rasa. Yeah.
2: Well,
0: I don't want to I don't want to use the word authentic to describe it, but Skiing Sugarbush is a Vermont experience, and you can take that for whatever you want. It truly is a special place. It is where Vermonters go to ski, and it is—if you've never been there—it's just a tremendous vibe, a tremendous area and terrain that you will you will not forget. JJ John, thank you very much for joining us on the program. It was a pleasure, and just a great discussion.
3: Thank you for taking the time, guys. Gentlemen,
0: gentlemen will be up there
1: very soon. Let's make some turns. All right, we'll be there. Thank you. New England Ski Journal's
4: Base Camp Podcast will return after this. Did you know knee injuries are the most frequent serious injuries in skiing? But an independent multi-year controlled study
2: with thousands of participants at 13 different ski resorts proved that knee bindings reduce the risk of ACL injuries by 82%. To put it another way, knee bindings effectively eliminate 4 out of 5 of the knee injuries that happen on all other bindings. This extraordinary result is due to Knee Binding's patented lateral heel release that only opens in one direction. This unique feature allows the perfect balance between retention and release. If the heel opened in both directions, the estimated injury reduction would be limited to 20% instead of Knee Binding's proven 82%. Get all the details and your new bindings at KneeBinding.com. That's KneeBinding.com.
4: If you want to be inspired and informed on everything about the New England ski and outdoor scene, then you need to check out SkiJournal.com. SkiJournal.com delivers daily content on breaking industry news, tips, gear, dining, travel, entertainment, as well as all archived episodes of the Emmy-nominated New England Ski Journal TV show and the Basecamp podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to New England Ski Journal the longest-running regional ski magazine in the country. New England Ski Journal's award-winning writers and photographers bring all four seasons to your door with best-in-class coverage on skiing and the outdoors. Log on to SkiJournal.com and click on the subscribe button to get New England Ski Journal mailed to you today. New England Ski Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative insightful and now back to the base camp podcast
1: wow eric we talk about vibes of ski areas the vibe we just got there was unbelievable yeah laid back comfortable it's why i go to sugarbush
0: that interview is basically why i love the place in general just that vibe of it's a it's a natural and i okay authentic vermont vibe that's a place where you go to experience true Vermont. As authentic as, as that, as cliche as that word may be, cliches are, are there for a reason because they're, they're real, right? They're, they're, they're the truth. I, I've told this story many times that when I was at St. Mike's, St. Mike's in the early to mid nineties that we had what was called the big pass and it was $329, I believe. And it was Sugarbush and Stowe. And so we would get on 89, drive south and not know where we're going to go until we got to that exit, and you either go right for Sugarbush or left for Stowe. And I would have to say that in my four years at St. Mike's, it was probably about even which, which way you turned. But Sugarbush, I fell in love with Sugarbush in probably the decade after that, after I was out of school. I had friends that worked there, and just going to ski with them the entire season was just a, a magical moment. And, and just the, the a part of skiing, is who you're skiing with and not just immediate family or your, your best friend or whatever. It's about the people around you. It's about the people you talk to on the chairlift or you have a beer with in the bar And Sugarbush really does have a clientele there. That is they're there to ski, but they're not going to be as overzealous about it or competitive about it. It's just, it's just a, a nice place to go and just look, I'm a laid back person. I don't think that I, I wonder if that comes across. I feel totally at home in a place like Sugarbush. Sugarbush is home in a lot of ways,
1: but Sugarbush also parlays. You're going to see Bogner there. Yep. Okay. It's going to be there and there's nothing wrong with that, but you're also going to see pants with duct tape. You're going to see jeans. You're going to see Carhartts. It's everything meshed together and nobody cares that somebody wears something different. We're there for the experience, Sugarbush, the whole Mad River Valley as a whole is that way. Even as you walk into the Warren Village for a coffee and a, a pastry or a sandwich, same thing. You're gonna you're gonna see this mesh of all different levels from New York to Boston to down home Vermont, all meshed
0: together, enjoying and talking to each other. It's it's an experience, right? And and those who still may be iffy on. The fact that Sugarbur has gone corporate again um, I mean 10 million dollars in improvements and like John had said like you're not going to see a lot of those improvements like out on the trails they're mostly behind the scenes but ten million dollars that that shows the, the kind of dedication and insistence that Elterra has on this being a success here they they are putting money
1: into it. It is a profit center, of course, with the Icon Pass. Sugarbush has gotten busier, of course, yep. by all means, but they are putting money into it. They are in the snow belt of Vermont, but as we know, we we struggle with snow sometimes in this, this day and age. Putting money into snowmaking has to be a priority for Sugarbush, and they are doing it, and they're putting it on their beginner terrain also, to
0: allow families to come and enjoy the experience. And you mentioned Stein Erickson, Olympic gold medalist. He served as the director of the ski school in the '60s. Sugarbush has history, right? I mean, they, some some fantastic skiers have called that home. The Wall of Fame is is packed and has gotten some new members this month. It truly is history, ski history. And in, in that whole belt in Vermont, you go there and you go through Stowe and Matter of Glen and, and Sugarbush, and just the history is oozing out at you at every corner. For for a ski history nerd like myself, it's just it's a pleasure to go there and experience that. How about a a little World Cup skier still pretty active in the ski world, Doug Lewis? Doug Lewis. He was at the uh, Snowbound a few weeks ago. He sure
1: was. Doug Doug is still out there preaching the skiing love, uh, trying to give back and develop the next Olympians out there.
0: I want to say it was about eight or nine years ago. Perfect spring day at Sugarbush. I mean, we're talking the sky is deep, dark blue. There's not a cloud in the sky sun is shining, and all you can smell in the parking lot is sunscreen and happiness, right? <laughs> you could smell the happiness. Just a day like that. And me and my best friend, uh, me and my good friend Kevin Babbitt, who has worked at Sugarbush for, I think, 20 years now, something like that, went up to Lincoln Peak, and we lapped paradise over and over and over again, once he went back to work, I, I did Organ Grinder for the rest of the day. It, it, I, I try to stay away from Steins because I could be that intermediate stuck on the trail. I know I could be. And that day, there, I'll never forget, there was just a moment, maybe it was Racer's Edge, I'm not sure what trail it was, but just skiing down towards the bottom of the mountain. And you had, I had one of those moments of perfect bliss. That has happened a lot for me on on trails, whether it be in deep powder, in in spring skiing, in Colorado, or California, or New Hampshire, Vermont. I remember that one vividly just because I was almost done for the day. First of all, my legs were going to give out. And it was just one of those perfect moments where you have to smile to yourself and say, today could not have been any better on skis. And those moments, when they come, I cherish them and I will never forget them.
1: Those are special, special times that you remember. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, I was up there and there was a whole bunch of fresh snow. I forget how much. It might have been eight inches, might have been a foot or whatever. But we slid into Slidebrook. Mm -hmm. I had Chris Leek with me, who used to be my buyer at Ski Market. Mark Angelillo, who is one of the premier instructors up there. Dan Egan's sister in law Carolyn mm-hmm. and Susan, there were five of us. And we slid into Slidebrook and I have never hooted and hollered more <laughs> with a bunch of middle aged people right going down and ripping it up. It was to to die for and to have those moments with as 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 they said with a bunch of friends. Because it's skiing's
0: about being with friends. If we did it alone, it wouldn't be the same. No, absolutely not. And, and I think Sugarbush, look, takes that to another level. That even if you don't have a friend with you, it's a friendly mountain. Like, you can find someone to ski with. If you don't want anybody to ski with, you can at least have somebody there at the other side of the trail, like you said, whooping and hooting and hollering just right with you because that sort of energy and happiness is contagious at a place like this. It, it's If you have not been to Sugarbush – Stop fooling around and, and get yourself up there because it truly is one of the best ski resorts in New England.
1: Make plans now. There's lodging available up there. Make some plans. Get up there. If you have an icon pass, as you all know, even the base pass is unlimited at Sugarbush. Yep. Get up there and use it, but stay overnight. Experience what Sugarbush really is,
0: not just the hill, but the community that goes with it. Yep. And if you do get to American Flatbread, have the sausage There's no better pizza in the world. That's right. I said the world. It is. I'll agree with you. American flatbread. And I believe they have an
1: an in right there, too. That's tough to get in. Mm -hmm. Yep. But check it out. Get up there. Don't wait. Make plans now. The snow's always better better farther north. Yep.
0: I'm going to make plans now, actually. So there we go. Mike, thank you very much. Eric, that was awesome. Love talking about very special places like the bush. Love Sugar Bush. Thanks to JJ and John, two fantastic guests to join us in the program today. That's going to be a wrap for us on this edition of New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast. We hope everyone has fun on the slopes, and we'll see you next time
4: new england ski journals
2: base camp is a siemens media podcast siemens media inspiring informative insightful